0: If you hear a smacking sound, it's me trying to kill this goddamn mosquito.
1: Yee. I get the worst reactions <laughs> to mosquitoes. Okay, we'll start I don't even there. Know we in
0: charge today, but I guess we're going to go. That'd I'm ready. You ready?
1: Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. All
0: right. Hey, everybody. I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. Jake Cherry going rogue. Holy cow. <laughs>
1: And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. And, yeah, it is Monday, September the 25th.
0: God, amazing. All right, so we will do what we usually do on a Monday, news, smiles, um, and then we will get out of your hair. I'm telling you, this mosquito is going to make me crazy. He's just flitting around. God.
1: I heard a proverb. I'll have to look it up, but it says something to the effect of if – You ever believe that a little one individual person can't make a really big change? You've never spent a night alone in a tent with a mosquito.
0: Right? Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That's kind of what I feel like. And you know what's Funny. He's bopping around in the same place. All right. I'm going to ignore him and we will move on. Um, You get to go first. What do you like?
1: Uh, I like the story in Politico headline, Big GOP Donors Hoped for an Alternative to Trump. Now some are giving (sighs) up. So the GOP debate is – the second GOP debate is coming up this Wednesday. And I was out of town for the last one, but I do hope to be able to watch this one. And usually at this stage in a presidential primary, you know, lots of the front-running candidates, plural, are getting money from a lot of different donors that will eventually coalesce around the nominee, right? But Mm -hmm. this time, you have all of the big-money Republican donors – backing all these candidates that are unbelievably far behind in the polls compared to Trump, who folks are mostly staying away from because he doesn't need them anyway. He's getting money from his supporters Mm -hmm. paying his legal bills. Um, But the idea that these donors are they they want an alternative to Trump? They don't see a path forward and they're starting to kind of hold back on spending because they don't want to back a loser and they also don't mm-hmm. want to alienate Trump if he does end up with the nomination. But it ends up being kind of this like self fulfilling cycle, right? Because if the donors hold back on backing these other GOP candidates, those other GOP candidates have less money to run their ads and do their campaigns and try to pull away some of these Trump supporters who are very active in the primaries and who are going to vote and, you know, decide who the nominee is. But on the other hand, you want to kind of if you're a donor, you want to reserve the funds that you plan to spend for the real race, because it's likely going to be close between, you know, likely Joe Biden and like Mm -hmm. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this piece is very interesting. And they've talked to, you know, they're very plugged in over at Politico. They've talked to a bunch of GOP donors about how they're thinking and, you know, how they're kind of just getting resigned to the fact that it is likely that Trump will be the nominee. And therefore, how do they want to think about spending their money? It's very similar to the conversation we were having about the anti-abortion groups, you know, where they want something else, but kind of don't have a choice.
0: So, uh, yes, to all of that. We should be clear, too, that this is also, as I read the article uh, quickly here as we're talking, it's super PACs and it's outside groups, and it's not just the mm-hmm. candidates and the campaigns themselves, right? This is across the spectrum of, of spending. What do you mean? Well, it's 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 not just people not giving to Trump or not giving to oh, Haley or oh, not giving sorry. to Rick Scott. Yes. It's the whole panoply <laughs> of ways that money gets yes. funneled into our campaign our our campaigns right that's the deal
1: you know the sad thing is i I don't even really think about money going directly to the campaigns anymore because it's becoming <laughs> such a real yeah, like yeah, I was like, what yeah, do you mean? Fair. It's because so much of the money in politics now is from outside groups, Most. PACs, super PACs, and um, you know, dark money groups. With you know, the PACs do have some campaign contribution limits. So the PACs being like the RNC and right. affiliated PACs and DNC affiliated political action committees and. I was just uh, talking with Rick about this as we were working on a story the other day. Rick Carr, your editor,
0: for those who aren't on the inside.
1: Yes, sorry, Rick Carr, my editor. And I was telling them that we need to start thinking about how we use the term super PACs because it implies Mm -hmm. like an extra large political action committee. But it's not. It's a completely different kind of group that doesn't have campaign contribution limits in the same way that a political action committee actually does. So we call mm-hmm. them super PACs, but they're not actually PACs in that way. Anyhow, went way down that rabbit hole. All this to say that, yes, it's these outside groups where the real money is these days.
0: Right. Also, also the, the modifier super implies largeness or hugeness or all of that. And they're not necessarily ginormous, right? I mean, you can have super PACs of, of middle and
1: size, right? I mean, you can have a super pack of two people. Right, <laughs> I mean, right, right, um, right. You, It's often that these super packs, these outside dark money groups, however you want to talk about them, it'll have one big donor behind them and then right. their, their buddies, <laughs> you know, and then we right. end up with, but you may not know who that donor is. But when we talked about right. the uh, Patagonia guy and uh, Patagonia yes. guy and... The Republican guy who did it, and and the other guy, what's his name? Who was it? Who we'll have to pull that up. Who basically around the same time said we're going to put all of our money into politics in this way, you know? Right. Anywho, so this is my. uh, I'm interested in this. It'll be very fascinating to see how the different candidates do in the debates. Um, You know the. People I talk to uh, in, you know, in D.C. is not the most Republican of towns, but the Republicans I talk to here who don't work in politics, they like Nikki Haley. They like Tim Scott. They Uh really don't want Trump, but they are also starting to become resigned to the idea that they may have to make a decision between Trump and Biden. I think a lot of them, if they end up stuck with that, may sit it out.
0: Hmm a lot of money on the sidelines it's a lot of money
1: on the sidelines
0: a lot of money mm. on the sidelines uh, All right, right, okay so here's mine it's a piece I saw in the New York Times which caught my eye because about uh, eight years ago now on a Monday morning um, I came in uh, to the office and I said to my producer at the time star Nieves I am absolutely sick and tired of doing Greek debt crisis stories from here I want to go to Athens Thursday morning, I was on a plane to Athens, which for Marketplace Mm. is very, very fast. And we spent uh, four or five days there, Tommy Andres and I and Rob Byers, our producers, and we did stories about the Greek debt crisis and how badly it was hitting the Greek people. And if you remember this, this was a huge, huge deal, right? There was corruption in Greece. There there were fat pension plans. There was mismanagement of the entire economy. The Europeans were really worried about it. The Northern Europeans, we should be clear, Germany and France, right? Because because mm-hmm. Greece was going to need a, need a lot of money to get bailed out. Also, mm-hmm. if you remember, and this was pre-Brexit... Basically, Greece came really close to breaking the euro because once you get into the single uh, currency union, you don't have control over your own currency. And there were huge problems with debt loads. It was a very, very big deal. And if you listen to Marketplace at the time, we did a lot of stories on it because it was it was a giant deal. Well, now Mm -hmm. comes The New York Times, having put somebody on the ground there to point out to us that uh, Greece is the fastest growing economy in the Eurozone. Unemployment while still high at 11% is way down and arguably it is thriving, having gone through a really, really bad time. People remember the austerity budgets of 2016, 17, and 18. It was really challenging for them, but now Greece has turned it around. And I think it's it's not without scars, but it's a really interesting story. And it's also just heads up to those of you who pay the bills in St. Paul. I'm going to be going to Greece here soon, if I can have to say about it. You know, it worked last time. I don't know why this time is different. Um, anyway, it's just a cool story. It's a cool story.
1: But how long did that take, you know? like
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, it took eight very long and painful years. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean,
1: it's sort of like us pulling out from the recession. It took such right. a right. long right. time.
0: Right. And... Yeah, the countless people lost their jobs and homes and much pain. You better believe it. You Mm. better believe it I'm sure there was there was there was people left and you know Intellectual powerhouses left and and the economy Mm. is worse off because of it, but now it's growing and and better. So there you go Mm. Uh, All right, Jake shall we Today was not a smileable day for you. Is that where we are?
1: Not, I, I didn't, nothing was moving me. Fair I enough. mean, I have a Fair smile-ish enough. story from the weekend where I was at a bar we'll take and take talking to the bartender, uh, you know, as you may be aware, I do like a good cocktail. <laughs> and <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't heard. <laughs> And, you know, the bartender was saying, you know, what, what kind of cocktails do you like? And I was telling him about my kitchen cocktails and things like that. And the bartender, the wonderful Thomas told me that he actually has started using chat GPT to make cocktails and that he'll plug into chat GPT. Here's what I have, you know, and what kind of cocktail can I make with that? And so that was this weekend and so then today I saw where OpenAI announced mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're adding video and photo and and voice integrations and things like that and one of the examples they gave was that ChatGPT will have the ability for you to take a photo of what's in your fridge it'll analyze it God. and suggest recipes for you if you ask and it you know so many of the conversations we've been having about ChatGPT are about jobs and what it will do to the overall economy but it's fascinating to see the sort of Mm -hmm. little ways that it's getting baked into life of Mm -hmm. I want a different cocktail what can I make with this here's what's in my fridge I want something like my sister told me that she used it for meal planning but she was like typing in what she had and so it made me smile Mm -hmm. a little bit to see You know, a non destroy the economy way. Well, I mean, no, that's somebody's job who's, you know, coming up with cocktails and coming up with the recipes. So that could be damaging and reduce that. Yeah, but going to a bar is not about the
0: cocktails, right? Going to a bar is sitting there talking to the bartender. It's not right.
1: Yeah. And it was fun. And then we started talking about anime, so it was great. (laughs) Well there you go. That's
0: a win win. A double win. It really was. The so there. All right.
1: Actual smile. Good. Perfect. That's All a good story. Right, you go ahead. That was, that was a good story. Yeah. That
0: was a good story. So I have got two, right. one of which was, huh, this is interesting. And the other one literally laid me, made me laugh out loud this morning. I'll go with a huh, this is an interesting one first. Credit to mm-hmm. Maria Hollenhorst, one of the producers on Marketplace who pointed this out to me. Article uh, in the New York Times today. Uh, And yes, I do read other things by the New York Times, but this is where I found this Mm. one. Um, A study out today uh, in some journal of repute, Geoscience, Nature Geoscience is the journal. Uh, It points out that uh, mammals are about halfway through uh, their time on Earth. We've been around for about 250 million years, and in about 250 million years, mammals will no longer be around. And I just thought it was fascinating. It's a combination of the sun getting hotter and us injecting stuff into the atmosphere to make it hotter. Also, also, plate tectonics. Because what's going to happen is there's the the continents now. The plates are going to move, and they're going to recreate another supercontinent. And it's going to have much more landmass and much fewer um, uh, land near the oceans. And so that interior landmass is going to get much hotter and it's going to mm-hmm. be too hot for mammals to survive. So we're about halfway done, gang. We're about halfway done. That's all you need to know.
1: Um, what animals will remain? Like, will like, the insects still be around or are they? Like... Uh,
0: I, I, I don't know. It's, I was mostly concerned looking... with the mammals, to be honest with you. Yeah. I was mostly concerned with the mammals. So here's the one that made me laugh out loud, and this is at The Messenger, which is a a, a very interesting news outlet, not without its troubles, but uh, they did have an exclusive. John Fetterman, a senator from Pennsylvania, who we've talked about a couple of times on this podcast, came out on Friday, or certainly over the weekend anyway, and said that uh, Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey uh, indicted on Friday on multiple counts of, of, uh, let us just say, corruption. Fetterman says Mm -hmm. Menendez should resign. Fetterman also now is going to return the campaign donations that he got from Menendez and his various campaign apparatuses, and he's going to do it with $100 bills stuffed in envelopes, which, come on, come on, Uh, senatorial shade, come on,
1: Wow. Wow. come on, Hmm.
0: I mean, look, the whole thing is terrible in a zillion different ways, but that was pretty funny.
1: That is pretty funny, but this—it's sorry. I went on. I was lost in thought because I was thinking it's worth at some point me doing a story explaining why uh, members of Congress give each other money all the time, uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and and yeah. how that plays into the politics that we have and the whole thing. keeping the people whole thing. in line and and votes and things like that. But totally. Story for
0: another day. Because that's that's part of why we are where we are with politics in America. Uh, Yes, that is a story for another day, and that is it for us today. Tomorrow, it's Tuesday. Uh, We're talking government shutdown. We're talking about the federal budget process, how it's supposed to work, why it always seems to break down, how we got here, why it's such a mess, what we might do to get out of it. I don't know, really, there are answers to that question, but we will ask it uh, tomorrow. Or I will, anyway. Kimberly knows the answer, probably, because this is her gig.
1: I mean, 100%. I think most of us know the answers. It's just the Nine. answers are not being done. But anyway, yeah. until then, if you do have questions, uh, specific ones or, or even non-specific ones, or just want to, you know, rage and write it down, feel free. <laughs> We're here for uh, you can, <laughs> you know, why not? Um, you can send your questions, comments, whatever, at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Also leave us a message. 508, you be smart.
0: Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Secret Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi.
1: Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital.
0: And there you have it.
1: I feel like the vibe of this music is very California to me.
0: Well, it was written in California by two guys who live in California. Oh,
1: I know, I and mean, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. It was there very you go. California vibes. yeah. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. ...to splurging on fast fashion. I was spending, like, all my tips. I was definitely spending, like, $200... A week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.